in with you for It's Too Early. That's the name of the show. I'm super excited to have my guest this morning. He is the owner of the world's largest disaster management company. He has spent most of his adult life responding to tragedies. Those include the Oklahoma City bombing, 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, and the 2010 Haitian earthquake. His book is called Personal Effects. And Robert A. Jensen, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. And great song to start the morning. I know morning you're with. a Killers fan. Oh, who is? Who isn't? <laughs> who isn't? That's 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 correct. Now, so much to talk about. Uh, let's start off with um, the, the Haitian earthquake on Saturday. Uh, what are your thoughts when you when you when you see that? What are your first thoughts when you see a disaster? Well, t- there are two thoughts. They're almost simultaneous. One is the uh, sadness and sorrow because I. Having been to so many of those disasters, I I know what's in store for the people that are directly affected. I know what's in store for the responders, and it's it's not going to be fun. And so I I feel sad for those people. And then the second thought that's almost simultaneous for me is, okay, if we're going, what do I need to start thinking about? What are the resources? Where are we going to move people? What equipment? How are we going to set up? And and what are the comms that the the families need? When you have disasters like that, it is, and and it's one of the reasons I wrote the book was that I, because I've been to so many of these things, there are not really any new lessons to be learned. You're not in prevention; you're in consequence management. The consequences of disasters, whether it's a bombing or an earthquake, are pretty much the same. You're dealing with families, you're dealing with survivors, you're dealing with governments who are in shock. And what I hate to see is people who are going to want to relearn the same lessons because the cost to learn those lessons is very expensive, expensive for the survivors, expensive for the families, and expensive for the responders. And I don't mean in dollars. I mean there is a dollar cost. But I mean in the emotional toll and the uh, the lasting impact it will have on people. And, and with Haiti, uh, I mean, you were there in 2010, completely different, you know, type. I mean, they're all different, right? I mean... Well, they're all different. They're all, in, in whether it's an event that kills or injures one person or, or 10,000 or a quarter of a million, it's all about that circle. So there's the person who's who's lost, killed in an earthquake or a shooting, and it's a circle of people around them who are left. We can do very little for the dead. We can try to make sure that they have dignity, that they have a name, and that they're returned to their family. The key is how do you help that family, the people who are going to go on living, transition from what was normal to what will be normal. And if there are competing things like, you know, I'm, I'm sad about my loved one, but I need a shelter or I need food. You know, it's trying to manage all those things. This earthquake in Haiti was in Lakai. It's in the south. When I was actually down there in, what, 2000, um, or pardon me, 1993 or 94 when, when we invaded Haiti, so... Um, which, you know, was quite a um, different time then than even 2010. So it's going to be a challenge because there's probably not a lot of international people down there, and that's what will bring the aid and the response. Mm. And so that's why I think the story is probably not going to be the same as in 2010. And very fortunately, the the death toll was significantly less. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, um, Surfside, the the building collapse in in South Florida up there in Surfside, um, how was that managed? Or, I mean, how how do you think that, that went? The... The concern I had at Surfside, and um, and again, I always look for parallels, and so I, I think if you look at 
and I think that in the book I talk about Oklahoma City as a building collapse um, or 9-11. There's some things that are going to be, I think, challenging. And, and after Oklahoma, two to three years afterwards, we had suicides. I think the fire department chaplain did 80 interventions in Oklahoma, and the government activated 11 of the USR teams, urban search and rescue teams, for Oklahoma. And, of course, um, the state in Florida had help and took care of most of it themselves. I think the problem is the expectation. We kept saying this expectation, we're going for survivors. That puts a lot of pressure, not just on the the communication to families who who you don't want to hold out hope, and I don't want to take hope, but let's, we have to have some reality in that, that transition. Mm-hmm. But it also puts a lot of pressure on the responders, and their job is rescue. Mm-hmm. I never go into a job. Our teams, when we go to work, we don't go in with the expectation that we're going for survivors. Our expectation is we're going to recover the deceased. And when you always go into a job knowing that you're going to have a hard time being successful, that's a big toll. And so I, I'm concerned, given the exhaustion from COVID, that the toll on the responders, if there's not some great mitigation programs, if there's not some monitoring, that sadly we're going to see some some deaths beyond those of the, the people who died when the building collapsed. Now, um, you're the owner of Kenyon International. Tell us what disaster management in what, what is it? What, in, what what does it entail? Well, and my and my husband and I are have been in the company and own the company. It, it, disaster management to us, we use that term because you need a term that people can understand. I really like to use the term consequence management. Mm-hmm. That is coming in and helping people manage the consequences of of a disaster, whether that's a reputational issue, whether that is helping get communication out to those people that are involved, telling them what to expect. I, I look at it this way. There's a road. We drive down this road every day, and all of a sudden it collapses. And what we've got to do is get people from one side of the road to the other side because that road is routine, normalcy. And for most people, that's about a year because they have to go through all the normal events that mark their life as a different life. And for us, that's why it's so important about trying to make sure we recover and return the deceased, because that's proof. That is the, the signal that says, I can continue on now, and I have to accept. Or I don't have to accept it, but it's going to be very hard if I don't, that my life has changed. And what do you think about the, the news coverage of um, disasters and mass casualties? I mean, how, do you, are, are we doing a good job? Um, yes and no. I, again, part of writing the book was for education to train people in understanding the ramifications of what they say or do. We were talking before the show about Louisiana, and mm-hmm. I can remember Lou Cataldi and I driving around one day, and we saw a f- film crew filming a, a, what we thought was a body. So we stopped because we were there co- to collect the deceased. And it was a mannequin. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand that they, when they do that, they send a message to the public. You're staging. And somebody looks at something and sees a coat and says, oh, that's my loved one. Mm-hmm. And the impact of that is huge for the kids who grow up always thinking that was the last image of their loved one. And so the media is important, not an enemy. Mm-hmm. So media is a great way to communicate. Love social media. But it's making sure that we communicate accurately. And businesses are as much to blame because we have spin. Mm-hmm. And this is true, transparent, direct communication with facts. It doesn't have to be delivered coldly, but it has to be factual. 
And it's okay to say when we don't know. Uh, now, I wanted to talk about trauma. I mean, you're, you know, you, you've seen so much trauma, and whether it's first responders or um, it can be reporters too, who are, oh, you know, yeah, of course, uh, doing a twenty-four hour job, and but victims' families, of course, of course. Uh, what, what, how do you deal with the, the trauma of, um, of, of actually? I was going to ask you personally, like of, of being witness, being on the ground to these, and how, how do victims' families, um, how, how can they deal? Um, well, everyone. Trauma is, is a point in time, and it's a history. It's what you've gone through in your life. And I've, I've personally had probably a very different life, so I, I can only speak for how I would manage it. For families and, and those that respond, it's good to have a program. There's, mm-hmm. there's intervention and there's long term. And it's about the transition from what was normal to what will be normal. And it's accepting that things are not abnormal if you see sights or smells. For me personally, I, you know, we live out by the airport, so I walk the dog, and you know, when I smell that jet fuel, I get a different smell, mm. and I get a different image in my head. When I hear a jackhammer, I'm right back in Oklahoma City from 1995. That's what almost 30 years ago. Mm. The, um, the the key here is that people recognize that going through these events has an impact, and you have to manage that impact and accept it and to talk about it. And there are tons of programs, but there's not a cookie-cutter program. Mm-hmm. And let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book, Personal Effects. Um, what, what inspired you to write the book, and what, how did you, how were you able to, um, to kind of go back in your own personal history? And it's, the title is Personal Effects, What Recovering the Dead Teaches Me About Caring for the Living. So tell us about the book. Yeah, I, I just call it Personal Effects. Yeah, I know. I read the whole thing. Um, it's, um, it's, again, kind of the frustration that I see people wanting to relearn lessons. I don't think any government wakes up or any responder wakes up, or any CEO wakes up and says, oh, today, you know, when my aircraft crashed, I can really screw people over by doing a bad job. People don't do that. They wake Mm -hmm. up and say, oh, my God, something bad's happened. I want to help. But they don't know how to help, and they get afraid because these things are scary. Your CEO, I've talked to CEOs after, you know, lots of events who make decisions about millions of dollars a day, which petrify me. Mm-hmm. And, but they're absolutely terrified to go up and stand in front of four or 500 family members and say they're sorry and talk about what's happened. So the book is my way of saying, guys, these things happen. They're going to continue to happen. I've been to two events that have killed almost a quarter of a million people in my lifetime. I'll probably go to others. I wish I wouldn't. I'd love to never have these things happen. It's not reality. So the book is about helping people say, these are the things that do happen. You have to be prepared. Because the crystal ball at Kenyon doesn't tell us when or where. It just tells us there will be something. And I don't really care what it is because it's the consequences. And and one thing um, I think a lot of people, but I'm always taking – um, just it gets so emotional when you see the the things that are recovered, people's watches, or and you t- you talk about shoes and and can you talk about that? Yeah, well, I I mean the first part of the book I said there's always shoes. It's all I always use when I'm training people because there always are shoes. We we find shoes at everything, and sometimes unfortunately they contain you know still part mm-hmm. of the, the human remains. The personal effects are hugely important to people because. It is the reminder of the life that was lived. It's that special bracelet that your husband gives you. It's that 
note you wrote to somebody, you tucked in the, the jacket of a book, and, and unfortunately they didn't make it home, but the book did. It's the reminder of the life that was lived. And when we aren't fortunate enough to have an identification, despite CSI and TV shows, mm-hmm. it's not a guarantee. Some people just aren't recovered. It is that proof for the family to help them sometimes say, yes, this has occurred. I, I have to accept. I have to learn that life is going to be different. Because the worst thing that you watch a family go through is those that wonder. Mm. What if they are coming home? Do I clean out a closet? Because if I have, have I given up hope? And that's understanding all the emotions. So in the book, I talk about the science, which is pretty straightforward. But then I talk about the emotion, which to me mm. is almost more important. And um, when when disasters happen, who reaches out to Kenyon, to you? I mean, who well, does that? Is a, we're a private company, and we typically work for governments and companies that are at risk. Oh, airlines, oil, natural gas, maritime, rail, uh, universities, uh, call centers, big companies to say, look, I have people who could be in trouble. I need someone who can help coordinate. We don't typically work for individuals. And so it might be a, a big company that says I have people in Inamenis in Algeria where we had the terrorist attack in 2013 go down and help recover them you know, and that's always working with the authorities and um, one thing I, I couldn't get over I mean you own this company but you're you're on the ground you're you're in the, down there um, in person and I mean you you could just sit in an office and and call people um yeah I guess I could that's probably would be torture for me. I'm mm-hmm. not a desk person. It drives people nuts. Insurers, you know, <laughs> our own insurance company hates that for me because um, I, I guess I'm a risk for them. I, I'm i not going to ask people to go somewhere or do something that I won't do. That's, mm-hmm. that's not how I learned leadership. And what people look for an incident, because again, it's not that hard, but they want confidence. An incident is a shake and is, is shakes our belief that we control things. And there's so many things that people try to control they don't control that they skip or they miss focusing on the things they can control. It's a big theme of the book. And what I try to do when I show up is I'm, I'm that reassurance that the sun will come up. This can be managed. We need to break it down into parts. We need to focus. And we need to get through it. And that's why I go, because I think that's what my experience brings along with, you know, our our thousands of people who have the same level of experience and confidence. It's just because I go to most of them, I can pull back and say, no, this isn't new. It happened 15 years ago or 20 years ago, and here's here's how it went. And and, um, again, about trauma, how how do you deal with this personally? When how how do you um, keep yourself emotionally healthy, mentally healthy? Well, I'm not sure I am. I asked my husband that, (laughs) you know. I'm I'm not sure I know how to answer that, probably because I go so often or I've I've seen so many different things. And I was a deputy sheriff in college and Mm -hmm. covered my first bodies when I was 21. Um, And and I still can remember the first notification I made to a family about somebody being deceased. It's just something I do. So it's it's not something that to me is, is good or bad. It's always sad. But it's never about me. It's not my loss, and so if I want to feel sorry for myself, then I'm being selfish because it's about somebody else's loss. And uh, the book, Personal Effects, when you were writing the book, did you think about your audience? Were you focused on who am I writing for? 
I, I try to um, because, of course, you want to produce something that's useful and that, that people will read so that hopefully they do pick up the lessons. But I think it, it came across to me as, well, this is going to be a whole bunch of different audiences, people who want to understand what happens behind the yellow tape. So I wanted to say, what if I could just take the reader, have them look over my shoulder, but in a respectful and dignified way, um, and something that would not cause trauma to families? I wouldn't want a family member to read the book and say, oh, my God, this is horrible. And I wouldn't want a family member to read the book and go, oh, I'm, I'm glad that they were not coming to my disaster. I, I would want people to read the book and say, here's what I got out of the book for them. Well, Robert A. Jensen, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. And I hope you can come back sometime. You're welcome. It's great. Personal Effects is the book. And thanks again. Have a, have a great day. You too. Take care. And thank you all for tuning in this morning. I'll be back with your headlines and a look at your weather forecast. We are going to play a song. And this is Saint Motel. It's all happening. Island 1069. Stick around.